0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to take your Bibles and open to the book of Hebrews chapter 13, please. Hebrews chapter 13, I want you to look with me at one verse. Verse number seven of Hebrews chapter thirteen. Remember them which have the rule over you. you so well, who's that? You're my wife or my mom or my dad? Uh, the Bible goes on in verse seven and, and and makes more specific who he's referring to here. Who have spoken unto you the word of God? Okay? Who is it that has the rule over us that's spoken to us the word of God? It's getting very, very narrow here. Then it goes on and says whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I believe with all my heart that Hebrews 13, 7 is referring specifically to my pastor and to your pastor. The Bible gives us an admonition here, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. I remember reading an article not long ago, actually it was a book, and... Uh, I understand why the fellow wrote it and I know what was going on during the time frame that he wrote it there was a big fuss about uh the office of an evangelist and should there ever even be one and is it a scriptural and he was defending the position of evangelist here's what he said he said uh, an evangelist is a higher calling than a local church pastor uh the calling is broader in scope and 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 wider in re- uh responsibility and And uh, boy, I read that and I said, no, that's not true. And I'm not against, man, I love the fellow that wrote it. And I admire him and respect him and and uh, thrilled to hear him preach. And he's one of our heroes. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's no position on the face of the world that's equal to the local church pastor. By the way, I am an evangelist. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not worthy to shine the shoes of a local church pastor. Therefore, I don't. But... And by the way, along with that position, let me just say this there's no responsibility in the Christian realm that equals the local church pastor. I'm getting I just get literally fed up with with, with the Bible colleges that try to usurp their authority of the local church. By the way, there's no Bible college on the face of the world that's worth one local church. Not one. I get, it makes me weary of the Bible college presidents that try to flaunt their influence over the local church pastor. Let me tell you something right now. If there's a Bible college president, that all he is is a Bible college president, he's not pastoring a church and the college is run through the church the way it ought to be. If there's a Bible college president trying to assert his authority over the, over the pastor, he is dead wrong. And by the way, let me just say this, one pastor has no right to assert his authority over another pastor. We're in this thing as a bunch of co-laborers for the Lord Jesus Christ to get the gospel out the best way we can. Why have I said this thing about an evangelist not usurping his authority over a pastor, Bible college president not usurping his authority over a pastor, a Bible college not usurping their authority over a local church? I'll tell you why. In our local churches, there are groups of people occasionally, maybe sometimes, maybe the word group isn't right, maybe even one or two people, who endeavor to assert their authority over the local church pastor. They bring into question the motives of the pastor. Why are you doing this? I, I tell you right now, I, I on purpose insulate myself around here from what goes on. I I don't know if 100% of the folks are thrilled with Pastor Tree, but I don't know if there's one percent that are kind of scratching their heads, saying, "Man, we got this building project out here, and how we're we going?" I don't know. I I don't like to hear about it. And by the way, I preach here enough and and often enough. Those the folks that are not for my pastor are scared to death to let me know about it. I I won't tolerate it, not for a millisecond. I don't know how long that is, but I won't tolerate it. And uh, so I don't know. But i tell you what, I, I've been in this thing long enough, been in the ministry long enough to understand that you don't pastor a church of any kind, whether it be a, a church running 10 or, or a 2,000 like here, you don't pastor a church of any kind without somebody getting bent out of shape with the preacher and trying to assert their authority over the pastor. God has an admonition for you men here this morning. God has something He wants you to do, and here it is. He said, remember them which have the rule over you. That word remember doesn't just mean, uh, yeah, his name is uh, Pastor Trevor. Okay, I remembered him. That word remember means to exalt, to exalt that pastor. To exalt him. Lift him up. And like Brother Brockman mentioned a moment ago, not just exalt him, saying, boy, he's a good man. God bless you. Shake hands with him at the door. But do something for him. I am thrilled that I'm a member of a church that has a has a program for my pastor that if the day ever comes that he no longer can perform the functions of pastoring this church, they've set aside a fund so he can live out his life without being a pauper in the face of this world. I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled that I have a church where if my pastor, God forbid, something tragically removes him from us by death, That we've got something in place for his family so they don't have to beg and be thrown out on the streets. I thrill that I belong to a church that provides a car for my pastor to drive. I I know, I I know people that get bent out of shape if a pastor has a car door that all the windows work on it and our car, all the windows work on it and has an air conditioner and it's not all beat up and dirty and rusty. Our pastor drives a 1992 Buick Park Avenue. The only thing that makes me mad about that is maybe it's not a Mercedes-Benz or a Cadillac or something or, or a Lexus or something even better. Our pastor deserves the very best, and so does yours. Now I know we've got to stay within reason, and God expects us to be good stewards. but let me tell you something. You men ought to do what you can to see to it. Your pastor is remembered, cared for provided for loved and exalted but yes also able to have food on the table also able to have a car he can drive more than 10 miles away from home without worrying if it's going to break down by the way you men ought to go back home and and, and get together four or five six, 10 of you whatever you can and make sure that your pastor's wardrobe is continually updated i don't know anything that's worse than meeting in the ministry and wanting to do the best you can And by the way, nobody is getting rich in the ministry. That's not what it's all about. And it's not even one of our desires or goals. But it's sometimes frustrating when men you got holes in the bottom of your shoes and you just don't have the twenty bucks it takes to go down and have that the stuff put on the bottom of it or buy a new pair of shoes and you got clothing is threadbare and you got threads hanging on it and and uh, and stains here and there and it's not because you're a slob and don't get it clean, it's just worn out. It's embarrassing and I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not a choice of a pastor not to be clad in the best of clothing. By the way, you're looking at you say, Boy, you're rich, you're standing there in a brand new Brand new suit. My brother just came out here from, from North Carolina and bought this for me. I hope he comes back again next week. But um, <clears throat> and I personally know what it's like, man. You, you, you put on the best you have and you say, boy, it's not so hot anymore. Do that for your pastor. Love the fire out of him and spoil him and make sure that his needs are met. In other words, remember your pastor. You ought to remember your pastor in making sure that his birthdays do not go unnoticed. By the way, it's not. Uh, you say, "Well, it's just up to the staff to do something for the pastor." Around here, our, our staff remembers our pastor's special days, like birthdays and anniversaries and Christmases, uh, an individual staff gift. But our, our church does things for our pastor continually. Well, you must think he's God. No, but we think he's God's man. And I think God is awful happy when you remember someone that's called God's man. I, I think it pleases the Lord. Uh, our church got together and, and uh, this, this last, we, we normally we give a gift or something, but, um, this, the, our pastor's last birthday, we gave him a, a check and I said, here, use this any way you need to for your, for your personal finances. Knowing him, he probably put it back in the building program, but we, we, we asked him, you'll use this for yourself, for your family. But do something for your pastor's special days. I will tell you another thing you need to do for your pastor in remembering your pastor, those that have the rule over you, who preach unto you the Word of God. I know personally, probably because I pastored for 14, almost 15 years myself, and I know a little bit about what it's like to be in the pastorate, which is different than being like what I am now, totally different. I, I thoroughly enjoy, and by the way, well, everything Brother Gibbs said this morning, I sat there and I, I made a checklist. Do you have the peace of God about being a staff evangelist at North Valley Baptist Church? Absolutely. Do you have a clear conscience toward God? Absolutely. Is it guided by the principle? Yes, it was. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy, and I know as sure as I'm standing here and know what my name is, that God has placed me in this position, and I love it. Well, I'll tell you something that I learned while I was in the pastorate. It thrilled my heart more when someone in my church or if the church collectively did something for my wife and my children than it did when they did something for me. My wife and I, knowing that, we've made it our own personal priority to see to it that Pastor, yes, of course, goes without saying, but also his wife and his children are remembered by the Davis family. Privately, Not just when the church does something, we put money in there. We do that too. But privately, we see to it. I, I want to tell you something. I please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I hesitate to say it because I know so yeah, who you think you are. The most expensive Christmas gift the Davis family purchased last year and gave away, the most expensive by far, was to the Trever family. Now I got my wife something nice, you know, nice as you can get out of Cracker Jack's box. Um, my daughters are cared for them. But we collectively, I mean, we, we spent more money on, on doing something. You said, why did you do that? You know, I want pastor's children. I, w- I want Tiffany and Tim and Tab. I want them to know that Brother Davis loves us. See, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the future holds for Brother Trever's children. I don't know, but someday they might hit a rough snag in their life. And they'll need somebody in addition to mom and dad to try to help them through that rough snag. I want them to know you can count on... They, they call me Uncle Wally. I like that. Uh, I want them to know they can, they can count on me. There's nothing in this world I would not do for them. I try to make it a habit of my life. And please, fellas, I, I'm, I'm giving you this by example, but you guys could do that too. Okay, maybe you can't give the most expensive gift, but give something. I try not to let a month go by that I personally, myself, in my own handwriting, write Tiffany a, lo- a little letter, a note, write uh, Brother Treber's son, Timothy, a note, write Tabitha a note, my own, my own handwriting... Write them a note just saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. I, I travel around the country and I teach your uh, families and I come back home and you're such a good example to our church. I love you. I'm your friend. You're my buddies if you ever need anything. And uh, every once in a while, a dollar bill and say, go get an ice cream cone or a five dollar bill and say, you know, have mom and dad take you down for a happy meal or something. I, I, I love doing that. You say, why do you do that? I'm remembering my pastor when I do that. Don't, don't look at your pastor's children and, well, boy, they don't behave like they ought to. No child does. You agreed? You don't even behave the way you should. And neither do I. But when you're doing that, you're helping to build and bolster the pastor's family. And let me say this also. My wife, my wife reveres Mrs. Trevor. I wouldn't have it any other way. By the way, I, I think if you're going to be a, a staff member of a church, man, let me tell you something. I know the staff guys are in another meeting right now. Something I where the uh, a, a staff member's wife sort of has a burr under her saddle because, you know, who's the pastor's wife think she is? I'm just as pretty as she is and 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 I know just as much as she knows and I've got more talent and, and who does she? man? You you ought to, and personally, even though you're not a staff member per se in here, you're If you men are married, make the pastor's wife feel like a queen. Boy, you ought to. Your wives ought to be button heads together, trying to see who's, who's first in line to take the pastor's wife out for lunch, and or maybe get a group of them and just take her out and get her a little gift and take her out for lunch and spoil her and love her and tell her how much you appreciate her and pray for her. Boy, remember the pastor. Remember him who has the rule over you. Now wait a minute. It's not all it says. Who has spoken unto you the word of God? I want to tell you right now: Don't get tight-jawed when your preacher preaches the word, the word of God. Well, he said something that made me mad. Then just smile and be mad, but don't get tight-jawed over it. You make sure that Hebrews thirteen seven, where it says, "Remember them which have the rule over you." Don't you dare fight your pastor when he preaches the word of God. You ought to get down on your knees at night and tremble before you go to bed and say, Glory to God! I've got a preacher that preaches the book. Amen. Don't you dare get upset at your pastor. I know. You say, my pastor has some weird standards. I'm going to tell you this right now. My pastor does not have weird standards, but man, he's got standards. He's got standards on top of standards. I always thought I was a pretty narrow-minded Temperamental, hard to get along with, normal fundamentalist when I came on staff here. But then, and I had all the big things nailed down, man. Don't drink, don't chew, don't get drunk, don't go to movies, don't get involved in wickedness, don't steal. I had all that stuff nailed down. I got on staff here, and of course, all that stuff was covered in about a breath and a, an orientation meeting, because that all that's understood. Then Brother Trevor got down on some real nitty-gritty things. He said, some of you got homes. Yards are unkempt. Not mowed. Cars are dirty. Shoes aren't shined. Clothes are in shambles. Your garages look like dumps. All of a sudden I said, wow. He's driven by my house. <laughs> so you know what I did I said bless God I don't have to take this I quit no I said wow I guess I better start and I've always made sure that I look decent didn't look like a homeless guy but there have been times maybe my shoes could have been shinier than they were I, I double dog dare you sometime today go by and look at my pastor's shoes you can comb your hair in them I'm, I'm, I'm not serious. I'm not kidding. You look at him. Brother man, you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. His shoes are shinier than your car finishes. You say that's just because he's vain. No, he is an attendant to detail, which is part of his makeup of standards. And fellas, when your pastor starts cranking down on some of these things, by the way, here we are in September, September. The pennant race is coming to a fevered pitch and the Oakland Athletics are in it. And I can't watch them. Why? Because Pastor Trevor decided September's an TV month. So I go shopping out at Montgomery Wards in the TV section and... <laughs> don't tell him, Brother Manley. <laughs> I don't either. Y'all yeah, Sears, that's where I go, but... Uh... Trying to find a spot where the staff is not won't see me, but I, I don't get bent out of shape. Where you say, hey, you want the stupid thing turned off in September? You don't want to see me, don't, don't want me to see the A's crank it down and go into the month of October red hot, ready to win the pennant. Don't want to see me, uh, you don't, don't, don't want, don't want me to see them. That's okay. If That's up to you. It's what you want. Go for it. I don't get mad about it. Just say, okay. Fine. Wonderful. Whatever standard it is that your pastor preaches, biblically based, just go with it. By the way, I found very few standards that any preacher in the world requires of you that would hurt you if you obeyed them. Even if they're weird standards, it won't hurt you to obey them. I, sometimes I hear pastors, no makeup. Okay, then don't wear makeup. It won't hurt you. It might hurt those that look, but uh, just whatever. And by the way, I I, I don't you know pick on anybody, but just obey the preaching of the word of God. And then uh, time's just about up here. Let, let, let me quickly add to the latter part of verse seven. Whose faith follow? Whose faith follow? Could I confess something to you, men? I know this is true. I might be the only one in the church that has this lack of spirituality about me. I personally, Wally Davis, I personally do not have the faith to build that building out here. Manon, I don't know how you feel about it? I don't have the faith. Now, that's not Please don't misunderstand. That's not saying that I think we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, hey, if pastor said, OK, we're going to have a vote. How many of you have faith to build that building on your own? I'm not raising my hand. But if he said, as he did, I believe that God wants us to have that building. So I've wrestled with it in the back office. I've cried and prayed at night, wept, sought the face of God. Driven up down the streets of our cities and saw the boys and girls that are dying and going to hell. I have the men and women that come through my office. Their marriages are in shambles. Their lives are ruined. And he said, I know God wants us to build that building. How many of you are willing to follow my faith? My hands, my feet, everything I can raise is up near. You say, why? I... Will follow his faith. You know what? That's all God asked. He didn't ask you to follow yours. By the way, I'm not responsible to lead this church. He is. If I stood up and says, "Pastor," some of you know I. Uh, I don't know what this title means. Brother, Brother Trevor gave me the title, President of the Golden State Baptist Institute. It sounds great. I don't know what it means. But President of the Golden State Baptist Institute. Uh, the other day the secretary has ran off some new cards, and I, I'm a little embarrassed to even pass them out because I, I didn't make them up, uh, you know, Wally Davis or say no Dr. E. W. Davis. I looked at that and thought, I'm not handing these out. I feel like an idiot, but uh but I have some of my billfold if you'd like one this morning. <laughs> And one of the things that Brother Trever's asked me to do is to work as hard as I can to see to convert this thing over into full-fledged Bible college. And if I came and said, Brother Trever, I'd like to address the church tonight and testify about some faith that I have. What faith is it, Brother Davis? Well, I've got faith about... You know, I've been walking over here at the Agnew uh, campus across the street here, and I've seen all the dormitories and all the buildings and all the beautiful campus space there and the parking lot. I've got faith to lead the church into to buy Agnews for the Bible college. You know what? It's not my job. It's not my responsibility. None of my business to do that. By the way, I don't have the faith to do that. But nonetheless, even if I did, it's none of my business to do it. You know, you know why? Because the church is not to follow my faith. Well, aren't you the president of this institution? Yeah, whatever it is. Agnews. News. <laughs> Some of you don't know it's a mental institution. But uh, they're not to follow my faith. They're not to follow the faith of the deacons. We've got several deacons. Deacon. They're not to follow their faith. The church is admonished to follow the faith of the pastor. Now, when you go back home, would you do yourself and your church and your pastor and your family and the pastor's family a big favor? Sometime, maybe, and I know you've gotten so much this week. Underline Hebrews 13 7, make a note somewhere. Go back home, read that thing over, and ask yourself how can I do what's been asked of me in Hebrews 13 7? How can I remember my pastor? How can I respond when he preaches to me the Word of God? How can I respond when I'm supposed to follow his faith? And by the way, I know many, I know most of the churches that are represented here in our conference. Several of your pastors right now are in building projects one kind or another, remodeling or parking lot or building, you know, one, one stage or another, or some of them have have it on the plans. Don't fight your preacher. If he says, "Hey, Fellas, I've really prayed about it. I know this is what God wants to do. I've got the peace about it. My conscience towards God is good about it. It's in the principle of the Word of God. It's the wisdom of the Lord's with the thing. Let's do it. Then just, you say, well, I don't know. I'm sure glad it's not up to my faith, but I'm glad it's up to yours, Pastor. I'm following you wherever you lead me. So you're only supposed to follow God. That's not true. That's not Bible. You are supposed to follow him, but not only. There are others you're supposed to follow along this line of life that we uh, live down here in this world. Fellas, please remember your pastor. Listen to his preaching. Follow his faith. Give the greatest gift you could give to your pastor. Give him your heart. So here it is, preacher